The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Steve Grosso, Karen Feinerman, and Dan Nathan. Tonight on Fast, no-co is a no-go. President Trump canceling his meeting with North Korea, sending stocks on a wild ride today. But there could be an unlikely winner from the fallout. We'll tell you who it is and bring you the latest from D.C. Plus, the DOJ launching a crypto crackdown on Bitcoin price manipulation. So is Bitcoin really being manipulated? And how worried should investors be? On-chain capital founder and Fast Money friend Rand Neuner will be here to weigh in. But first, we start off with a Netflix fairy tale. Yes, fairy tales can come true. The streaming giant soaring to a fresh all-time high today and briefly passing Disney and market cap for the first time ever. So. Is Netflix the king of all media? How much higher can it go? Tim. Hi, Mel. Hi, Tim. Uh, well, look, uh, if, if you've listened to me over the last year, you've heard me tell you that I don't understand the valuation, that I, I agree that these guys have an amazing service. I think they're able to monetize it. I actually think that they're creating content. They're spending $8 billion a year. But should you reward them as a content play when media companies who have content that at one point was being rewarded were seeing a feeding frenzy possibly in M&A, there's a limit to what that content is, is worth. Then the distribution side of their business. Okay, so we know that they're growing their subs. But really, do they, do they control uh, the landscape more than I think some of these other media companies can do in the over-the-top? How much of a lead do they have on the cable companies that already have, I think, access to that same revenue stream? That's debatable. The multiple is what matters here. And I think these guys don't have a major moat. I think there actually is a lot of competition out there. You think it's that easy to start up an over-the-top streaming service? I mean, because the Disney's trying to turn that switch on right now. And it's not as easy as you might Look, think. First of all, I, I don't think it's that easy. But I, I think, think of the people that they are competing with. And obviously, you go to Amazon, you go to Disney, you go to ultimately Hulu, and you go to you know, possibly people that we haven't seen internationally that I think might start to take some of those mm -hmm. international customers away from them. So I, I think that is what I'm concerned about. So, so everything that Tim said is 100% accurate and it hasn't mattered in the stock price. That's the only problem for the bears in this name. So all the things that everyone was worried about uh, we're buying with the, the uh, price tag for buying content. Now they're curating their own content. So I think they beat that one. So that was probably the last leg. One of the initial legs was, do they have pricing power? And they've proven that they have pricing power. So they can keep on increasing the price of this and people will keep on renewing it. I know I will. So now the other thing is, is that when you go international, that used to be a headwind, that curating international uh, quality and international content was going to be a problem. They've uh, jumped over that hurdle by leaps and bounds. So at this point, if it is the new way that we're absorbing media, then it should be the new media. And we shouldn't get excited that its, it's market cap has doubled, tripled, or quadrupled. Why? This is the, this yeah. is the future. So it's with, but by that argument, though, then there is no price that is too much to pay for Netflix, no, given no, all no. of those things are true. I, I, I there's a reversion trade. There's a reversion trade. But I've been, I've been hearing on this desk valuation for multiple hundreds of dollars. And that's not the case. And they continue to grow. And you can't put a valuation on a growth stock. This is a tech growth stock. 
whether or not, I mean, this is not necessarily a question of would you rather, although I will ask that question a little bit later on in the show. Yes, you will. You always ask. I, and I always do. I, but, I, I mean, in this particular instance, you know, a lot of these media giants, namely Disney, want a little piece of Netflix's action, right? Yeah. I mean, they're using Netflix. Netflix has become, whether you like it or not, the model for new media in this day and age, sort of. hasn't it? Yeah, so I suspect that the original content thing is going to become an issue in 2019 uh, and 20 once you start seeing Disney pull their yep. stuff off mm -hmm. and everything like that. And then you're going to see how much they're actually going to have to spend on original content. I'll just say this. The story between now and then is really how do they monetize these international subs? Right now, their gross margin in the U.S. is about 38%. Internationally, it's 15%. If they can get that up over the next year or so, and we're in a market where people still don't care about valuation for a gross stock level, like that, you're going to see this stock go to, didn't someone put a $500 price target or something? I, I just don't know. I, I think those are the metrics that people are looking at. And so, you know, to me, you know, so the question was, Netflix was going to get bought, right, for years? So, who, you know, that's a, so who are they going to buy now? And I've been saying this yeah. for a while. I think they should use their currency to buy a Spotify right too. Now. There's a company that's 24% gross, gross margins, that, that, right? You put those... Sorry, Properties that's, together. that's the smartest yeah. thing that's yeah. been said out of a lot of smart comments, not yeah. because we've been saying bad it. comments. Mm -hmm. This is a stock that trades at 220 times. It's a stock that's up, up 82% since December. Okay, so you're going to tell me it's got a lot of room to run? You know, clearly Tim, it But did. if we go back years, though, look at the climb it's had. So I, this is, it has defied gravity, and it will continue. The, the point is, eventually you will be right. Eventually the stock will revert and come in a little bit. But that's when the growth... That's when those elements of tech growth are streaming out of the balloon. Right now, it's still a growth but stock, and thing, you're paid that multiple. The, the things that I think Netflix is being rewarded for now in the last, say, in, during this 82% climb are that their content is actually, they're winning awards on this thing. They've raised prices, as you yeah. pointed out, and the international is growing. Um, I think that is exactly what we're saying are, are, are the things that, that, that really are separating them from the pack. That, to me, is different than even the last few years when, in fact, I don't think that they had proven that. So, you know, ultimately, I think we get to a place where why isn't Amazon going to be kicking on the accelerator harder than ever? Apple TV, uh, Hulu. I mean, I, I just think, and when you think about Disney as a competitor, they have the best content in the world. And to say that that's going to be off limits for Netflix is a big deal. Can you help me with this thinking of Netflix for Spotify? Does this make that moat that much deeper? Sure. Well, I mean, how? About well, first, first things first. There's probably about you know Netflix has 120 paid subs, okay, and and Spotify has like 70, 75 or something like that. I'll bet you there's probably like 60, 70 percent overlap, overlap, okay. Mm -hmm. But then you get the other ones on. You kind of you package it together, you bundle it up. right? You bundle it up, and then there's other forms of media. So at the end of the day, if every content company wants a recurring revenue stream, and that's what we're all talking about here with all these other things, then you're going to need to broaden it out from just video, and you have much less reliance on original content. The music business is very different. You pay licensing fees to the artists and to the labels right. and that sort of thing. You and the margins are going content. to be less because of that. But at some point, the Netflix uh, international story is going to slow pretty dramatically. And what's the next act is really the question. So then would you say, all right, Apple should buy Netflix instead of creating that Netflix Spotify? You create that I mean, Apple I, Music I, I think, Netflix? Listen, I, I've been saying this about Apple Music. We're just pivoting a little bit here. The fact that they have a billion three installed base in iOS devices and they only have 45 million Apple Music users is crazy when you think about Spotify, which is just an independent company and has 75 million. So Apple has their own problems. They're just not going to, you know, what would they have to pay? $200 billion for Netflix? They're just not going to do that. That's their whole cash 
Yeah, yeah I, I, I agree. I don't think that that makes sense. And I think Apple is going for a services model that doesn't necessarily have to be. I think in the home is where Apple really needs to compete. And I think they're going about that in different ways and have been fairly unsuccessful to this point. But um, a takeover of Netflix, no. If anything, look, I think Netflix now needs to be in the game of some of the media takeover speculation on some of these guys that are in play now. All right. Our next guest doubled down on Netflix earlier this week, betting the stock could go even higher. Netflix is acting very feisty up around this $340 level. So before we focus in on that, let's just take a look at the last two years or so of price action. Just a beautiful uptrend here. Uh, you can see that we've fallen into just a bit of consolidation here around that $340. What I want to do is set up a trade to punch through that. It was a great call made from the Trading Nation lair. And that was uh, a great microphone, too. I mean, that looked <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I mean, that was old like a cool place like a, to hang in out. In the radio booth. Um, Netflix did punch through 340 bucks. now at 349 a share. So Todd Gordon of TradingAnalysis.com is back at the plaza. He says there's even more room to run. How much, Todd? Those guys are laughing at my trading den down there. Yeah, at first, if we get down to that, it? before that 340 mark, let's get context. On the, this is out in the weekly chart. I'm going to pull some of my Trading Nation Elliott wave out here. So basically, the, the model is that markets trend in three phases and correct in two phases. So what we have here is the first initial trend phase. That's going to be one. Then we fell into a solid consolidation here. That's going to be corrective phase two. I think this strong rally that we've seen up here is wave three. Now, we've got to pull some of our Fibonacci here. Um, what you do basically is take this level, multiply it by your Fib, project it up in the third wave. That projects a $422 price target in Netflix. So I think we have plenty of room to go. It's not going to happen next week. Uh, if we get down and head over to the daily, maybe we can kind of isolate. So here's that, that $340 mark. I mean, talk about a stock that just would not go down when the market was under its volatility, just hanging in like a champ. So it's really just a simple breakout play. Pen up demand, buy stops go off, 340 on the way up. And remember, you know, I think near term, heading into the next two months, we should be able to hit that 400 mark. But maybe in the end of the year, we'll be able to hit that FIB 422 target in Netflix. I love the way the stock acts for now. Uh, the other one we're going to take a look at is Amazon. Um, Amazon is just in a beautiful uptrend channel here. And those technical traders at home, be sure to turn your semi-log charts on to get this, which basically is looking at percent changes. I stood right here when the stock was right around 900, calling for 1,300 target met. I think now, guys, before we start to hit upside resistance, you're looking at 2K. We should see Amazon 2K, I believe, by the end of the year. Again, this is the weekly head down to the daily chart. It looks really similar to Netflix. Just a ton of relative strength in here as the overall market was showing a lot of volatility. It almost, I'm not going to advance the chart, just clear my drawings. It almost looks like the old cup and handle pattern, right? There's the cup, real shallow little handle, kind of a Netflix trade that hasn't happened yet. We should be able to move on up to 1800 here pretty soon. Before you get back to your trading den, Todd, one question, simple sure. question, would you rather Amazon or Netflix? Which chart looks better? Uh, because Netflix has already made the move and the overall NASDAQ is stabilized, I'm going to probably get off to Amazon here tomorrow, so I'll take Amazon. All right, Todd, thanks. Todd Gordon, tradinganalysis.com. Same question to you guys right here on this desk. Amazon. Amazon hits a lot of different levers. So when we talk about AWS, this is something I've been positive on since probably $190, but it's everything. It's a consumer name. It's a retail name. It's a tech name. AWS, everyone bet against and say it was going to be a commoditized business. That hasn't proven to be the case. This, if Netflix, if you're talking about, as Dan said, they have to diversify out of video, 
Amazon has done that uh, to the umpteenth degree. Mm -hmm. It's an everything stock for everyone. Damn. Yeah, I, I think everything Steve says is correct, and it really is a matter of diversification and matters of risk. And then, you know, what's your time horizon, right? I think that people, you know, um, still think that this is going to be a, a trillion-dollar stock before Apple, okay, because of that diversification. So um, I would probably go on most time frames Amazon because I think there's less specific risk. Can I play? Would you? Can I throw a different name in there with Amazon? Whoa. I mean, I realize I'm changing. Whoa. Well, I mean, we. I feel like just we. Do it. You know just what I'm going to say just about Netflix? So I've already. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's, 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 let's get into the other Fang names and, sure. and bottom line, or, or names that fit in the mega cap tech world or the triple Q, Apple. So Amazon or Apple, and Apple's also had a very big move. I would much rather own Apple. Again, a defensible, uh, I think, valuation, a company that's generating $50 billion in market cap. Everything we just said, think of what we were talking about, at least the opportunities that Apple has ahead of them with a $1.3 billion installed base, um, with the fact that their services revenue is now almost 15% of their total revenue. That, to me, is a much more interesting story. I think we know that Amazon is the wrecking ball for the retail sector. Are you a believer in this notion that services revenue will be 67% of the revenue growth at Apple over By the when? next five years. No. That was a call of, of the revenue today. growth. Revenue not growth. Of the, of the, of the revenue okay. growth. Okay. Yes. So you Delta. Uh, not the revenue. I, I think that is, yeah, we'll think about what's going on with the handsets. Yes. I mean, I, I actually believe that this is their time, and boy, they're starting to move the needle. So that's my would you rather more. So Karen gets to play would you rather, would you rather, would you rather? Mm -hmm. I'm going right. to do the extended thing. the rules, though. Ex, She's a good girl. The extended thing, X, Netflix, and Amazon, because she will never go got Netflix it. or Amazon. Got what if I had to pick so one? Facebook, <laughs> okay. Alphabet, uh, or Apple? Alphabet. <laughs> Alphabet. I mean, when you look at valuations, which I always do, to talk about Amazon or Netflix, I mean, you know, you're, it's just a stratosphere. But, but I, Google, uh, Alphabet, it'd always be Google to me. I mean, that to me is a... You can make the case GDPR is going to, you know, weigh on them and all, you know, the, the antitrust is coming. But what an extraordinary business this is. And an evaluation that is, I mean, minuscule relative to some of these other ones. By the way, do you think uh, Flash has, like, a, a shag rug and black light posters on his wall? And the, <laughs> I think that if you, if you, if you... Like zoomed out, we might see cool, some man. things that so we might want to unsee. Uh, I, mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know. I didn't get to fight with Karen. I just want to make yeah, one really, fine. really, really quick point Anything here. You just fight. said it's an extraordinary business. It was an extraordinary business. It's still 95% of Google sales, okay? But here's the thing in that last quarter that Amazon just printed, they had $2 billion in search sales. Half the searches for retail items are now happening on Amazon, okay, and not on Google. So to me, I don't think that's that defensible of Mo when you see Amazon growing the share that it is in um, online sales. And when you think about in the U.S., online sales is less than 10% of the whole. So what do you think their search revenue is going to happen at Amazon as we start getting bigger and bigger numbers? So to me, I actually think Google is the most vulnerable um, to some of these trends that we're seeing right now. Well, I disagree. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Let's check back in a couple years, okay? All right, we okay, can check cool. back in a couple years. Anyway, we got to go to break. <laughs> right. Coming up, President Trump calling off his meeting with North Korea, sending stocks lower today. We'll bring you the very latest from D.C., tell you what it could mean for the markets. Plus, the government is cracking down on crypto. But one Bitcoin bull says it could be signaling a major buy sign. Fast Money friend Rand Neuner will be here to, to tell us why. And later, Steve Grasso here stepping up to the plate to pitch one sinking stock that is down nearly 30% from its recent high. He will give us the name. We are live at the NASDAQ market site in New York City's Times Square. Don't go anywhere. Much more Fast Money still out. Still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. President Trump calling off his meeting with North Korea. Let's get to Eamon Javers in D.C. with the very latest. Eamon. 
Yeah, hi, Melissa. We had a briefing this afternoon from a senior White House official here uh, who explained that the president's decision came after the North Korean delegation effectively stood up an American delegation that went to uh, uh, Singapore to conduct a meeting with them in advance of this summit. Also, that the North Koreans effectively went radio silent and simply wouldn't pick up the telephone over the past week or so, and that's what precipitated today's decision. Uh, what we are left with, though, are a couple of specifically unanswered questions, even after we've heard from the president and that official today. The White House not answering a couple of questions, including uh, when were South Korea and Japan notified of President Trump's decision? A White House official telling me that uh, they are not disputing reports that the South Koreans didn't learn about this until after that letter went public this morning, they, that they got no heads up, that is. But the White House won't answer specifically a question of when they informed South Korea of the decision here. And also, uh, whether or not President Trump and Kim Jong-un have spoken directly over the phone uh, at all during the course of these negotiations, the White House official was asked that today in the briefing uh, and said simply that they have spoken through Mike Pompeo, the Secretary of State, and through their diplomatic delegations, but leaving open the possibility in his answer uh, that, in fact, the president and Kim Jong-un spoke directly uh, over the phone with each other at some point here during this negotiation. We'll have to wait for more reporting to find out if that's uh, what happened here and if that's how this relationship uh, hit the rocks. Ultimately, though, uh, the president saying that uh, he has been speaking to his allies, our allies, uh, in South Korea and Japan during the course of the run-up here uh, and received a commitment from them in terms of the financial cost now for any military operations by the United States on the Korean Peninsula that might be coming in the weeks and months ahead. Here's what the president said on that. I have spoken to South Korea and Japan, and they are not only ready should foolish or reckless acts be taken by North Korea, but they are willing to shoulder much of the cost of any financial burden, any of the costs associated by the United States in operations if such an unfortunate situation is forced upon us. So the president thinking ahead here in terms of the cost of any military operations that might come now in the Korean Peninsula. I asked a White House official, what were the details of that cost-sharing arrangement? Have they agreed on specific price tags, percentages, dollar amounts, anything at all? The White House official telling me uh, they simply have no details on that to read out, but at least some thinking here going into the question of who's going to pay if there's a war now in the Korean Peninsula. Melissa? Eamon, thank you. Eamon Javers live for us at the White House. Well, stocks sank after the announcement this morning. The Dow fell as much as 280 points at the lows of the session, but rebounded, closing the day by just 75 points. So how will this decision impact the market in the potential trade war? Because as this is all going on, I mean, we're just hearing about a national security investigation into autos, which could lead to higher tariffs on imported vehicles, which would hit South Korea. And Japan. Right. So, so I think all of this really comes into play and all the things that we've seen move higher when we thought that the tariffs were actually decreasing will, are probably going to have a knee jerk reaction and sell back off again, whether it is the auto names, whether it is some of the industrial names. But the truth is this could be China playing a little art of the deal too, getting behind North Korea saying maybe stall a little bit. I think ultimately China wants the U.S. off the peninsula. China wants to get to these dialogues. China has really had a tailwind coming out of a lot of these negotiations, and so has President Trump. So I think there was enough for everyone to win. The markets, as you said, sold off immediately, and then they rallied Wait, back. wait, we won? So, we won this thing? Oh, I think that in, in its perception. I don't, I don't Who's know. Whose perception? It's perception. Well, 
I don't know your opinion right there. No, it's absolute amateur hour. I mean, this is. You could, but you could say that, but he couldn't have done anything right if you poll the American you're wrong. public. I think a lot of people were very hopeful that something would. If come. you poll the American public, they were extremely positive on the events that have transpired Steve, with the trade war. No, what, what the tra what's transpired? We got owned in the trade uh, negotiations with China. We're getting owned on the North Korea stuff. We're getting owned on the. No, we're getting owned. There's no art of the deal on this what, side what of the exactly fence. What exactly was went bad? And your, your, the Iran deal was perfect for you. You, you thought that that was a, a perfect Listen, thing. Play nice for a couple let, let, of years. Let's, let's just bring it back, back to, to really what we're talking about for the markets and stuff. We're talking about the impact You're the one on the, the part. No, 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 you guys have a split screen. What I'm just saying, I just have a split screen on you right now. So let's look at our screen. That means you're going to fight. That means you're really fighting. I mean, let's talk about the markets. Well, that's what I just. I just think there's little way to see that we won in either one of these negotiations. I mean, we know that we have a president who will look at the American. Anymore. people and lie to our faces about what happened. I don't believe they probably had substantive talks about cost sharing for a war Still on the, the market, Korean Bill, The autos have run up, and if now it's perceived well, that the tariffs yeah. now will increase, you should lock in profits here's, on the autos. Here, here's what concerns me. Um, I woke up today and I heard comments out of Wilbur Ross talking about the auto trade and protecting our automakers as right. being a national security and basically a military risk for this country, which I do not agree with. You know, I mean, I think the statements that are coming out of this administration at times to me, uh, are, they really don't make sense. And, and, and weaving those statements together, um, just because economic security is important for this country, doesn't mean that we are at military risk because our auto sector actually has risks from So what's the trade, though? What's, put it back. You just said, what's the what? trade? I gave you a trade. What's the trade? I don't know. To me, the thing that was interesting about the stock market action today is, was the rebound because he left the door open and people thought that there's, there's a likelihood a that they could, you know, resume talks or have them later? Or did the market rebound because they never really believed that there was going to be any... So there's no any, reason to sell off to begin No with. reason to sell off because really, were we ever going to solve well, this? Maybe not. I, I, I don't know. I'm not really sure which. Also, on the trade, the same thing. Is this all rhetoric? Is it all bombast and, you know, just uh, Wilbur Ross yelling? But when they get down to it, it really be a far more muted reaction from, Look, from I, us. I, I, I don't you know. And I, I, I hear you, Steve. Let's have a markets conversation. But I do think when you, when you evaluate how the North Korea talks came about and how they progressed, and if you really ever thought that China was going to let this happen, there's no way this was ever going to happen. We were going to come in there and denuclearize uh, the, the, the South Korean Peninsula. The Koreans weren't going to let this happen either, by the way. So um, bottom line here is so this VIX, is at, VIX is this at a very never, important these, these level. Talks will you've, never happen. You, you, you've introduced Italy into the mix as you now have more political risk across the Eurozone. You have stocks that are very expensive. We're now, at the top the dollar, end of the a range. Go higher. So, Given well, what's going on the, the around dollar the, world is, Italy. The, the dollar will be a safe haven, and that will yeah. that will trump fundamentals because, and I don't mean the president, because I don't think the Dixie should be trading above 94 in the absence of that. All right, still ahead. Steve Grossel's got one stock he says is about to make a major turnaround, and you might want to listen to him because the last time he pitched a stock, it soared nearly 40%. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. This is a raid. The feds are cracking down on Bitcoin abuses, and a top crypto trader says it may have triggered a Bitcoin buy sign. He'll be here to explain. Plus, a number of Left for Dead stocks are surging, and you won't believe how high the traders see some of them going. The names when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got a news alert on Amazon. Let's go to Aditi Roy in San Francisco. Aditi. 
Hi there, Melissa. Amazon is responding to a family's claim that their Amazon Alexa device recorded their private conversation and sent an audio file of that conversation to a phone contact. We did contact Amazon and they're saying the following statement. They're saying Echo woke up due to a word in the background conversation sounding like Alexa. Then the subsequent conversation was heard as a send message request, at which point Alexa said out loud to whom, at which point the background conversation was interpreted as a name in the customer's contact list. Alexa then asked out loud contact name right. Alexa then interpreted background conversation as right. As unlikely as a string of events is, we are evaluating options to make this case even less likely. So in a nutshell, it was a very long statement, Melissa. Uh, they're saying that it was a perfect storm of situations that, that caused uh, their device to record the private phone conversation, send that audio file to a phone contact. The couple is telling a local television station in Seattle that they contacted uh, Amazon and that the company's engineers have come and uh, addressed the problem and apologized to them for it and that they are taking measures to make sure it doesn't happen again. Back to you. So, Didi, this is very curious because what actually what yeah. happened was that a, a transcript, basically, of this family's conversation was sent to one of the mm -hmm. contacts in their address book, correct? And so, presumably, exactly. if there is a transcript generated from the conversation, the background noise could also, I would think, be transcribed as well. So is there proof that what Amazon said happened actually happened based on that transcript? I mean, that all has to be sorted out, obviously. Yeah. In that report, the, the couple says that they asked the person who called, like, how do you know that, that how do we know that you heard it? And he mentioned details from the, from the conversation about, like, their carpet or flooring or something in their home. So they seem to have proof that this guy really heard what they, what they said. Uh, and it, it is interesting to note in this statement, Melissa, that, that uh, they mentioned that Amazon Alexa did say out loud a couple of times prompts, at which point... You know, Alexa seemed to hear the correct prompts to, to then spur the action. So um, it seems like there might have been, you know, it, it's just really an unlikely situation that there might be right. situations where Amazon's talking or Alexa's talking um, and they just didn't hear her talking. All right, Aditi, thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable. They, they must have this children. Is, this they is my worst it. nightmare. <laughs> this well, is why I do not have uh, any of these Amazon products in your home. And the question is, is this going to cause other people to not Why couldn't this happen with Siri technology. on your phone? Why couldn't this happen? Because happens, Siri happens, can't understand me. It, happens, it happens Siri can't a lot. It happens a lot. It happens a lot on my phone where it starts to dictate on a text message, and then I look and I hear the bell, and I know they have to shut it off again. So this is the world that we live in. I, I don't think it's right. great, but I, but I no, do no, no, have no, no. it. But you have your phone, and you're not right. going to get rid of your phone. People choose to put this device Look, in the living room. Look, you can, say, you can, you can, can be activated. I, I think this is a very similar discussion about the privacy issues we're talking about with Facebook. You know, if you find the utility in the thing, you understand what you signed yeah. up for, right. and there you go. But I think, you know, re registering, it's kind of like a little um, sci-fi-ish, what we're saying and having a file of it. Um, you know, that's a problem. But I kind of feel like this is kind of like reporting on that one Tesla fatality, you know, among, you know, 10,000 car accidents I think you just a said it. Bit, you can you know? deactivate yeah. the texting ability if you wanted to if it becomes a problem yeah. and you could choose what tasks you want Alexa to do 
it's never going to be right for you. You don't like the invasion of privacy. But I do think, I think Tim said it, if the pros outweigh the cons, you're going to have these things in your head. Uh, you know, look, by, by the way, if you're going to have private conversations about your flooring, um, do it outside. <laughs> you know, I mean, or don't have Alexa in your room. I mean, it comes down to, Dan brought up a good point. The centralized platform may be extinct soon. So, you know, this may be, have its own way of self-governing. Bottom line is people maybe don't want to have everyone have access to all their data and all their information and all their conversations about flooring. I know Dan has his conversations about flooring. I mean, they flooring. were talking about hardwood flooring. Hard, right, I, you know what? No here. comment. Mm. All right, still ahead. Why did Chipotle, GE, Exxon, and Advanced Micro have in common? They've all surged off their recent lows this year. The traders will tell you if the stocks are going higher or lower. Another favorite game of ours. The government is cracking down on crypto, but one Bitcoin bull says it could be signaling a major buy sign. Fast Money friend Rand Neuner will be here to join us. Tell us why. More Fast Money still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. The Bitcoin bust continues as the DOJ cracks down on cryptocurrency market manipulation. Or Seema Modi joins us from the New York Stock Exchange with the latest on this. Seema. Melissa, the Justice Department is reportedly launching a criminal probe into whether traders illegally manipulated the price of Bitcoin and other digital currencies using methods like spoofing or flooding the market with fake orders or wash trading when traders buy their own orders, creating the illusion of high demand. This all follows a string of recent regula regulatory crackdowns on crypto, including a coordinated effort by U.S. and Canadian regulators called Operation Crypto Sweep, which has launched 70 investigations into potential crypto shenanigans. And the SEC continues to crack down on ICO scams, launching a fake ICO website to educate and warn investors just last week. The heightened scrutiny also comes as Wall Street appears to be warming up to cryptocurrencies, with Goldman Sachs expected to launch its own crypto trading desk in less than a year. And many market participants I've spoken to say more regulation is actually good for the market as it weeds out the bad players. Michael Morrow, CEO of Genesis Global Trading, says we support government efforts to target bad actors and bring stability to the digital currency marketplace. We believe strongly in eliminating market participants who are not operating lawfully. Bitcoin traded down initially on this report, but since then it has regained lost ground, although worth pointing out still down 40 percent this year. Melissa? All right. Thank you very much, Seema Modi. Our next guest believes the crypto market has been manipulated in the past. Let's bring in Rand Neuner. He is the founder of OnChain Capital and the host of CNBC Africa's Crypto Trader. Rand, welcome back to the show. Good to see you again. Nice to be here. It has been manipulated. I mean, anybody who follows any of the, the crypto Twitter people know that everybody thinks manipulation is going on. You say it has happened, but before, the not now. I think in the past it was easier to manipulate Bitcoin. There were fewer exchanges, there were fewer on-ramps, fewer off-ramps. It was easy. We also had some tweets exposed the other day about a group who were manipulating small penny, penny uh, tokens, and they got exposed for, for, for manipulating small illiquid tokens. I think today it's a bit more difficult. I think you've got many exchanges, you've got many on-ramps and off-ramps, the volume is much higher, mm -hmm. you've got Asia, you've got the US. So I think today it would be a lot harder to manipulate. In the past, Probably did happen. I, I get that there's so many more exchanges, that there's more liquidity, but there has been market manipulation of things like LIBOR, which is perhaps one of the deepest markets out there in the whole world, and, and banks have colluded to manipulate that. So why not cryptocurrency, especially when, I mean, if U.S. regulators are clamping down here, are we seeing the same sort of regulatory response in terms of price manipulation overseas, like in South Korea, say? Well, I'm confused because the SEC hasn't regulated cryptocurrency and they haven't regulated Bitcoin. So what is the problem of driving the prices up? 
it's illegal in terms of what act. We're not regulated as an equity, we're not a currency, we're not a commodity. We don't know what we are. So these, these crackdowns are making me a little bit uh, nervous because what are they looking for and under what law are they going to, to penalize people? Um, for what's going on in the markets. So in terms of the reaction, I mean, Seema had pointed out that initially on this report, we had seen crypto trade lower in general, finish the day sort of higher. It's trading around uh, 7,500 on Bitcoin right now. Should traders actually be more cautious because it is so uncertain what the SEC, what the CFTC, whoever, the DOJ is going to look at? When they come out with regulation, it's going to open the floodgates for new money to come into crypto. Think about a pension fund investor, someone who's investing on behalf of a pension fund, who stands up in front of his investment committee or his board and sure. says, I want to invest in this thing but called crypto. we're not crypto. talking about regulation here. We're just talking about some sort of crackdown. But I give mean, us is, is anybody really, do you feel that people are really talking about putting regulations on the books at this point? I think regulation is imminent. Oh, it's coming. It, but, I mean, do you feel like it's, it's being talked about? That's, that's... Yeah, What's happening I think, right now? I think someone's going to lay down the, the gauntlet and say, okay, this is the regulation, and everyone's going to follow, and hopefully that will be the SEC. Crackdowns, yeah, there will be crackdowns. I encourage the crackdowns. I hope that they can catch the people because we've got to weed out the bad actors. If we have bad actors, it's going to create a lack of trust in this asset class. If we want to make this a real asset class with real people, then let's weed out the bad actors. But the first step is let's legislate first, let's regulate first, so we know what the playing field looks like. And then let's go out and catch the bad actors. So, Rand, because it's been such a speculative frenzy, because of everything we just said, um, how much of do you believe at its soul is, is the crypto world based upon just this speculative fervor where it's, you know, let's face it, it's volatile, anything goes, and that's a great market to trade in. How many of these folks really are, are disciples of the underlying, which I, I, I know you are? I think there was a gap last year where the markets were going crazy and we went to an $850 billion market cap and Bitcoin went to $20,000. I think there there was manipulation. I think it's harder now. I think there's eyes everywhere. Everyone's worried about who's watching us. So I think now at a $330 billion market cap, I don't think there's much manipulation going on. Rand, let me ask you, do you imagine a world where we have U.S. regulation and U.S. Bitcoin and cryptocurrency trading and then sort of the free-for-all outside of the U.S.? And what will that, is that where all the flows will go? Or would they come here where the pension funds want to be in a regulated market? How do you envision that changing I th things? I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, a lot of territories are waiting on the SEC. So everyone's kind of looking to the United States and saying, give us guidance. We saw the European, the G20, we saw the European Parliament all say, look, we're not legislating this thing yet. We're still going to watch this thing. Japan has legislated it. Korea, we hear in June, will come out with positive regulation. Singapore is very favorable. So I think the SEC and the USA have got a big part to play. And I think they're going to call the shots. So let's hope that they act soon. All right. Rand, thanks so much for coming by. Always good to see you. Rand Neuner, um, founder of OnChain Capital and also the host of CNBC Crypto Trader. You should check it out if you haven't already. Dave, yeah, I, I guess the risk is, is that the U.S. is being left behind in this. And to your point, Karen, yeah. that if there's other countries, developed nations that are actually le legislating and setting up frameworks, especially uh, countries like Japan, that we could be left uh, behind. And you can see some of these big exchanges move offshore, that sort of thing. A lot of, of the projects, that, right, but, that depend on tokens, they're overseas. Right. They're but, not in the United States. Listen yeah. to what Rand just said, and, and, and I'm not bringing back the guests. Um, but, but the bottom line here is, is that think about emerging markets. I'm a guy that's invested in all these places around the world that were opaque and had poor corporate governance and really had 
poor, poor custody. Um, ultimately, everybody who wanted to trade in those markets did at their own peril, and ultimately, everybody wanted the legitimacy of the U.S. markets. Where institutions can trade freely and be comfortable with it is where everyone is going to go. That's a real market. And so, bottom line is, yeah, it, it will take place in other parts of the world, but U.S. standards are not going to be left behind if this is ever really a, a, a true foundation for, for money transfer. Still ahead, GE shares up nearly 15% from the recent lows, but one trader is betting the stock could soar another 50% from here. We'll tell you what has him so bullish. Plus, Steve Grasso stepping up to the plate, getting ready to pitch one stock he says could build up your portfolio. Hint, hint. He'll give us a name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Time for our fast pitch where one of our traders pitches a stock that they think is about to break out. It is Grasso's turn to step up to the plate. Grasso, what are you looking at? So, Lenora, so everyone, everyone understands the main reason why home builders have been under pressure, at least recently, has been the rising rate environment that we're seeing. So the knee-jerk reaction is to sell all home builders. But what people have to realize are, is that rising rates happens in every housing recovery. So you shouldn't fear rising rates if they're rising for the right reasons. Economic growth, unemployment's still low, cash is still in consumers' pockets. So now if they sold off the, the space because of rising rates, rates are now stabilizing. So you don't have a reason to get out of that trade any longer. Uh, and then the second thing is California Atlantic or Cal Atlantic Group, uh, the merger that Lenar had just a couple of months ago that closed, put some undue pressure on the ETFs and Lenar itself. Reason for that, people were too long Lenar. So the shares outstanding grew by too much, forced them to sell stock. ETFs, the weighting was too big. They had to put the sell pressure on those ETFs. Lenar, a big percentage of those ETFs. So that created a sell pressure, not for just Lenar, the entire group. That is over with right now. Everyone has rebalanced. Now, the third thing that I listed, lumber prices were a headwind. Everyone told you it was a headwind. Basically, the last couple of months, the lumber prices have come in. Specifically, this month, lumber prices are down 10%. EPS is on the rise as far as guidance going forward for Lenar, and the stock price is down 30% recently. That's why it's a buy. Let's just look at price action here. So recently, and I just alluded to it, $70 was the price not too long ago, and we've collapsed by 30% while EPS is rising, while lumber prices are decreasing. Those are all tailwinds. This has underperformed the entire group. I think you're going to see this stock. You don't have to go to 70 again, but I think you can go to 60 easily. Here's your base. Here's your base. See ya. Steve's got a question. Yeah, quick question. How well, this is a big integration, biggest one they've ever done, big acquisition. How well do you think it's going? It, it doesn't, I, I think it's, it goes back to what I always say, perception versus reality. I think right now, everyone was worried about the rebalancing approach to it on a technical level, but the fundamentals, I think that they're confident that they have a large market share. I think they're more confident in the tailwind of corporate tax going from 34% effective tax rate down to 28, soon to be 21. I think those are enough tailwinds to compensate for any negative negativity that's going on in the merger. All right, no more questions. Time to vote. Are you buying Steve Grasso's pitch on Lennar? Tim, what do you say? Um, you done with your just finishing part? building my house. <laughs> um, yes, I am a buyer. And I think this, this, the transition here, some of the management changes, but I think they're going to pay down some of this debt. I actually think 50 is an important level on the stock. It's been beaten. Karen. Yes, I agree. I'm a buyer as well. I like the space. I like the home building space. Also like Lowe's. I like everything related to it. It's all good. 
Dan. A uh, lot of bullish inputs there. Wow. I'm not like a what table pounder. What did you say? Dan No, he had a lot of bullish inputs, a lot of oh, stuff. The sorry. sentiment's really bad. The thing's else. back at support. <laughs> it changed really cheap. What do you think I said? Something it's not I'm not a table pounding buyer I'm like him. But I'd rather buy it than sell it. Three buys. Three buys on this desk, Steve. We want to know uh, what you at home are saying about Steve Gross's pitch pull in our vote in our Twitter poll at CNBC Fast Money. We'll reveal the results later on in the show. More fast still ahead. Welcome back to Fast Money. Call it a resurrection as a number of once left for dead stocks are now coming back to life, surging off their recent lows. For more, let's go to the man who is always full of life, Dom Chu, back at the newsroom. Hey, Dom. Well, I do feel invigorated getting the chance to work alongside the entire Fast Money team, Melissa. But like you said, there are some stocks that have investors wondering if the bottom is in. So we decided to take a look at the overall S&P 500. We then wanted to identify the stocks that have made at least a 52-week low or worse so far in 2018. Of those stocks, we looked at those that have staged some relatively bigger rallies since those lows. In our example here, we looked at least 10% from those recent levels. Around 60 stocks fit that bill. The top of the list, no surprise. So who's up for a little barbacoa and guac? We got Chipotle Mexican Grill, a stock that's already up now 75% above that level. It's low that it hit just this year. Also in that general same ballpark is Advanced Micro Devices, which is now 45% above its recent low. And then we've got a couple mega cap names that might be in the early stages of a potential run, might be. General Electric, yes, it got hammered yesterday, but it's still up 14% from its recent low. And then there's oil giant ExxonMobil, 11% higher than its own mark. Now, some traders are on the hunt for deep value. They're looking at some of these stocks that have been hurt as of late. Now it's about whether they can look at some of those stocks and find that next Chipotle. And thoughts on where the exit strategy is, that's going to be a huge one because you've got these bigger returns and they are achieved. Do you sell out of them, Melissa? It's a big question. Back over to you guys. All right. Thank you, Dom Chu in the newsroom. As all these Left for Dead stocks spring back to life, we thought it would be the perfect time to play. Higher or lower? <laughs> Hold on, what are we doing? <laughs> so we are going to take one of those stocks and ask each trader whether they think it's going higher or lower. Very simple, straightforward here. So let's start off with Chipotle, a name Tim often struggles to even pronounce. Chipotle. 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 <laughs> higher or lower, though, is the uh, question. Uh, definitely lower. Uh, mm. you know, we've gone from 257 to, to 440. Uh, Brian Nickel doing a nice job. The, totally overdone here. Very expensive stock. They beat on comps. Take that profit and run. Uh, let's move if on you here. had it. I don't know. Yeah, that's true. GE, higher or lower, Grasso? It's going to be higher from here. I mean, even, even when you see the way it absorbed, yes, it had a terrible day, but Flannery said this was not going to be an overnight fix. He's unwinding the assets. He's selling higher. off a lot of the assets. He's getting it done slow, although it might be, but I'm long. I'm low below four. Time frame. I'm long below, uh, I don't know. So I would say probably, he said don't count What's your the time, time frame, frame on this? I think we're going to probably the early or uh, Maybe about six months to eight months. I think this stock higher. will be will be trading in the low twenties. What if they cut the dividend? Do you think that's in there, priced in already, or would? Well, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday it, it showed were, that it wasn't. It was not in right, the price, so it came, it came in, but it leveled off at a, at a price that's still higher than recent lows. I'm still profitable at this point. I'm still up 14 percent, basically, in my position. I'm willing to give it the time to you know, soothe some of the concerns that are around the dividend. But I do think low 20s probably in six to eight months. Let's get to our next stock. 
ExxonMobil, higher or lower? Karen Feinerman. Higher just uh, because I'm sort of bullish on global growth story, but it's not hugely pound the table, and I kind of think oil is be around here, maybe a little higher, a little lower, but it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to be higher for Exxon. Well, to be Dom higher. referenced deep value. I mean, do you do you think there's deep value in Exxon? Because I mean, I, you usually look for that. This is not I a know. cheap stock. It's not. It's it's not a pound the table higher or lower. Is this? It's not a pound the table game. Are there it a lot is of, kind of. Are there a lot of pound the table? Are there a lot of bullish inputs? Period. Do you think there's a lot of bullish inputs, Dan? No. Do you think this is all bullish inputs? Clearly, enunciate inputs. Say it slowly, folks. Okay. Let's go on to advance. Speaking. Dan, yeah. advanced micro, higher or lower? Uh, I think lower, and not for anything particularly fundamental. If you look at this stock since the start lower. of 2000, oh, whoa, boy, since the start lower. of 2017, <laughs> on four occasions it's gone from 10 to 15, back to 10. That you know, so here we are. It's up 45 percent. Um, I will say this, you know, Carter uh, Braxton Ware, yeah, he's in the pantheon of tech. You know, he has a point, and this is really interesting for this segment. For these stocks that are coming off these lows, usually when you see a gap on the fundamental news like AMD did uh, in late April, you'll going to get another gap, especially if it's coming off that lows. So Chipotle's had its two gaps. Chipotle. Yours, Chipotle. one gap. I don't even Not know. I don't even look at that. And, and AMD just has one gap. But at the end of the day, I think it's hitting a lot of technical resistance here. I agree. AMD is hitting a lot of technical resistance. I think the semiconductor space, the chip space as a whole, you look at Micron, who, who was decimated and then rallied all the way back. If you look at DRAM prices, which they're totally dependent on, on, on Micron's case, I think that's flattening out or rolling over once again. I think AMD is going to roll over as well. It's a fun game, though, by the way. Yeah. Everybody played right? by the rules, too, they which did. is rare. Very good, Dan, class. Good job. All right. Well, the options market is applying one of those names. GE could surge 50%. For more, let's get to Mike Cohen, Las Vegas. Oh. For more, hey, Mike. Hi there. Yeah, so it's uh, interesting. We saw more than twice as many calls as puts trade today. And one of the trades that's definitely stuck out to me was the January 2019 20 calls. We saw close to 3,000 of those trading for about 15 cents. So those are bets that it's going to be above 20 by January expiration. I find it kind of interesting because Steve was just talking about a low 20s price target six to eight months. Well, guess what? That's exactly what these options traders are betting on. Hey, Mike, you know, you and I were at the same party last night in Las Vegas, and I got to tell you, I sound a lot better than you do right now, and I kind of lost track of you. Back. I lost track of you at 11 o'clock, so I don't know. But what mm -hmm. happens in Vegas stays Thanks, in Vegas. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. You almost Full just show killed that. Tomorrow, time. Options Action, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, Final Trades. You know what's worse than a broken home, a broken heart? because America is not buying Steve's pitch for Lennar. Oh, by Twitter either. That was up 40 percent. Final trade time, Tim. Lennar. I'm buying Steve's Lennar. Steve. Alibaba. Buy it. Stay long it. Karen. Good locker. I'm long going into earnings tomorrow. Dan. Yeah, forget. You got Netflix. a lot of time, Dan. Disney. You got plenty of time now. Yeah, use 100 stop on <laughs> By the way, Lennar is up 2.5 percent after hours. Ooh, I'm Melissa Lee. Thanks boy. for watching. See you back here tomorrow at 5. More fast. Mad Money starts right now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.